0: Welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, Episode 68, The Evolution of Music, Part 5, an interview with Jack Comer, as many of you all remember to be Jack O'Shea. What a special episode we have for you today. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's interview with Jack, let me remind you where you can always find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed, and on Twitter at bboomerunleash1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. And uh, tell us what you think of the program, make suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Bboomer Unleashed podcast, give us a shout out, tell us what you want to talk about, and we'll do our best. To get you on the show. Well, last week we completed our interview with John and Christy Snodgrass as we talked about their involvement with gospel music over the years. This week we're going to interview Baby Boomer era disc jockey and local legend Jack Comer as we talk about the early days of DJing in the Baby Boomer era and how music has changed over the years. You local tri-state area boomers will remember Jack Comer as Jack O'Shea. Let's go to that interview now. Well, folks, we have a very special guest with us today on B Boomer Unleashed. He's one of my, uh, I guess, childhood heroes. I feel like I kind of grew up with this guy. He was uh, he was uh, a an, an outstanding DJ on back then. We called it uh, KAMWKEE. 800-WKE, and of course that today is a a different uh, call call sign and a different format. It's a news and talk format today. But back in the day, this young man, Jack Comer, and we boomers from the uh, tri-state area knew him as Jack O'Shea, and what a privilege it is to have Jack on our podcast today. Jack, welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was so nice of you to ask me. Uh, uh, I, I'm constantly overwhelmed by the the compliments. You know, I mean, I was just uh, just doing a job, and uh, I mean, I when I go to work in the morning, I worked with some people in the office that I, you know, for one reason or another, I didn't really care for him that much, but when I had spent my four hours in the late morning and early afternoon in uh, the studio, I often tell people from around here, it was like a, I felt like a 10-year-old kid that was going to Camden Park <laughs> for the first time. I loved every minute that I was on the air, every one.
0: Well, and I'll tell you, Jack, it showed. You had so much fun, we had so much fun listening to you. I was talking to Uh, a mutual uh, friend the other day on on this show Randy Bishop and we talked about our version of downloading music back in the day was listening to Jack O'Shea and if he happened to play the song we'd punch record on our cassette player and
1: you uh, you, you mentioned that I I I remember getting, to, uh, and I I got I get more than went many more than one request like this. People would call on the request line, and say, uh, "Could you do me a favor?" And I I said, "Well, I thinking it was a request for a song," and I said, "I'll do what I can." What is it? And they said, "Could you please play such and such and not talk beforehand and not <laughs> talk during the end of it?" And uh, 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 that's, you know, I want to record it. And when I, you know, I knew that I, I was not going to do that. And uh, I, I made up a little uh, lie that I told him. Uh, I said, well, I, that, that's uh, against FCC regulations. I said, the FCC said the first 10 seconds and the last 20 seconds of a song belong to us. And the rest of it belongs to you, and I can't go away from that. And they believed it.
0: <laughs> That's kind of like, you can always blame the fire marshal, too. You know, if you don't want somebody stand somewhere, you say, well, the fire marshal will allow that. So the yeah. FCC is a good scapegoat, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, you know, everybody knew had heard of the FCC, but none of them really had any idea what they did. <laughs> oh, I know. Listen, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you
0: got into radio, Jack. I think our listeners would be interested in that.
1: Well, um, as, when I was in high school, of course, I grew up in Chicago, or a suburb of Chicago, and I became good friends with uh, uh, a, a, a jock on uh, WCFL, and that was even way back before they were a lot of rock and roll. And uh I went down to the station a few times, and uh, i was I was found there so often. they got me to ripping news for' them and doing all this other stuff. And that got me interested in it. And then um, I went into the army uh, and uh, after going through Okinawa and going through Seoul, uh, going through Korea, uh, I I took an audition at Armed Forces uh, Radio in in Seoul. Armed Forces, they call it Radio Vagabond at that time, and uh, I was accepted, and so I went TDY, which is temporary duty. For, I was in a heavy mortar company, and I uh, went down and spent the rest of my time uh, uh, doing midnight to six at, uh, at uh, AFK, and so... It, and when I got out, I went to a radio school in Chicago for six months, two nights a week, called uh, Midwestern Broadcasting School, and that taught me a lot. And then I started sending out um, audition tapes, and I sent a lot, a lot of these tapes around, and got accepted at a station in Deadwood, South Dakota. Wow. And I was, I was telling people, some friends, I'm going to Deadwood, South Dakota. They said, Where the dickens is that? <laughs> and actually, it's about 40 miles from uh, Mount Rushmore. Right. And so I went out there, and that's what started it. I, I left there. I wanted to get back nearer home, and so I took a job in Mid Wisconsin. And uh, then left there to go to Evansville, Indiana, and uh, met my wife there. She's from Evansville. And then um, uh, Wayne Geyer, that owned Key Radio at the time, bought the station that I was at in Evansville, and he took two people with him from here. Uh, and asked if I would be interested in going to uh, the, our station in, in Huntington. And I said, well, I'll go look. And uh, we drove over here and kind of liked the area, and I accepted their offer, and that was about the size of it.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, we're glad that uh, Key Radio brought you to Huntington. I tell you, you've, you've influenced a lot of young men and young women over the year, years, in, in, uh, you were that friendly voice on the radio, always there, always dependable. And, man, we, we grew up on the music that Jack O'Shea spun. And, and uh, man, you guys actually, back in the day, it wasn't like some digital feed or something. Well, you guys actually no. spun
1: records. Well, yeah, oh, my goodness, yes. And um, uh, I, I tried in my mind not to think of all the people that were listening and and I really never gave it much thought until we'd go on vacation and I'd be driving away and, and it would hit me how far PAM went we had the FM was was also uh, with us but that was in the day when uh, FM, you had to buy an AM radio or an FM radio they didn't have AM FM radio right and um, so then I'd realize, holy mackerel! This station goes a long way. But I tried to get it into my mind that there was uh, one person sitting sitting across from me at a table, and or at a table, and uh, I had to do on my show enough to keep them interested to stay. Rather than them saying, ah, the heck with this mess, and they get up and leave, you know? And, right. and I constantly worked with that in mind. People used to describe uh, a disc jockey as a guy sitting in a soundproof room talking to himself and playing his favorite records, <laughs> you know? Well, and you- uh, so it kind of went from there. And uh, you know, a lot of people had told me. That they felt that I was talking to them on the radio, uh, and, but there was a lot of guys who, you, you know, trying to do hey, well, hey blah, 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 you know, and, and that wasn't my style. I I tried not to do that.
0: And I think and, that's why you endeared yourself to so many people because you were talking to the listener. We all thought that Jack was, you know, talking to us, and it was it was pretty cool, man.
1: Well, I tell you what. One one kind of a dumb thing that I'm remembered for, and uh, I'm I'm thinking it'll be on my tombstone when I pass to the great beyond is uh, turn so you won't burn. Right. I had a little package of jingles, and of course I was on in the midday when a lot of people went to different pools around here, and everybody had key radio on right. on their PA system. And I, I had it set up where every 15 minutes in a spot in a spot set of commercials, I'd play that jingle. Turn so you won't burn. And they, a lot of them said that it was amazing. People had their little radios with them, or they were listening on this big sound speaker. Everybody turned. And it, and I, I that's kind of been dragging behind me all these years. <laughs> I would think probably. Uh, hardly a day goes by without me hearing somebody say, "I remember you turn so, so you won't burn." <laughs> it, it, I guess if you can be remembering, you might throw up. Yeah, me well,
0: yeah, that's that's a good thing. Hey, uh, you were t- talking about song requests. Um, you know, and you were spinning actual records when somebody requested a song. How in the world did you find? the song that they that they wanted to listen to, did you have those things alphabetized by an artist or I mean, how how in the world could you ever come up with that?
1: Well, um, most of the time they would request a, <clears throat> a song that was popular at the current time or somewhat, and we had a, we had a couple of record racks with, uh, and the, as, as songs became popular and as they, it became less popular, we'd change the list and give them a different place in those record racks. And so you could, we played them so often, you could, you, you knew where they were and, uh. So occasionally, you'd get a request for an old song, and if you had it available, uh, we used to play one or two uh, what we called "golden oldies" right <laughs> um, uh, an hour, and maybe you could find that. But I, I tell you, if you, when I see people studying psychiatry. Let them sit down and answer the request line at a top 40 rock and <laughs> roll station. Wow. You, you have no idea. Uh, I get people to call me and say, please don't ever play such and such a song. I'd say, well, why? They believe that the artist on that song was talking to them. And I mean, it it, it just got—you never knew what you were gonna get when you picked up that request line. Kind of like somebody play. would say, sometimes. Somebody would say, "What the heck are you playing <laughs> that piece of junk for?" Kind of like play like, Misty for me, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. And I, you know, I would I would tell them, uh, "Hey, look, from where you're standing, can can you see uh, your radio?" Well, yeah, I can see it. Well, if you notice, there's a a dial indicator and two small uh, little wheels on there. (laughs) And and I said, if you go over to the radio and turn one of those small wheels, either I disappear or you turn me off. (laughs) And if you don't like the stuff we're playing, go do that.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. You know, back in the day, and you know when you were really uh, spending, and when Key Radio was really the place to be, and I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, we all loved it. There's not a, there's probably not a boomer in the tri-state area alive that didn't listen to Key Radio. I mean, if you well, didn't listen, there to key, were,
1: there were other stations. Sure, and um, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that uh, when I first got there in 19. Uh, 1958. Right. Um, uh, We there were there were segments where you weren't number one, but uh, after about two years, we uh, eventually wiped the other stations. I'm not saying wiped them out, but uh, according to the Arbitron surveys, uh, we were number one in uh, the important. Uh, I guess 18 to 54 uh, area right. where most of the, the consuming public uh, uh, was, and and we were number one in that, and it made us a lot of money. You know, I, I don't know whether people know what an Arbitron survey is, but they would send out booklets to occasional people in your area and have them keep track of what they listen to right and they'd take all those booklets back and uh, uh, assimilate, put them all together and figure out who and what age group was number one and all that and we, we fortunately uh, uh, were, we're number one pretty much you know the whole day. Well and you know I think the evidence of that.
0: You know, and I, and I still have a lot of those boomers I went to high school with and college, and, and we talk occasionally and, and reminisce a bit. And most of those that you ask, uh, you know, uh, you remember Key eight hundred, you remember Jack O'Shea? Oh yeah, yeah, we list all the time. Not too much mention of the other stations. So you guys were numero uno. I mean, you you guys were the big dogs. And
1: well, we we you know we kind of. After you take a look at that Arbitron and and realize um, the number of people that were listening, and you know, it kind of kind of drove home to you, you know, that I mean, I played a lot of records that I hated, right? And um, but you would never know it from uh, from how I introduced them, you know. I mean, I never introduced a song. Well, here's one of my the uh, least favorite songs. <laughs> yeah, and as far as they were concerned, every song was my favorite song. Well, you know, uh, the DJ back
0: in the boomer days uh, was wielded quite a bit of power, really, when it comes to the success or failure of budding artists, because. These ladies and gentlemen, these artists were looking for playtime, and that kind of, you know, fell to the hands of the DJ, didn't it?
1: Well, it, yeah, it kind of did. When you look at it country you know, countrywide, um, uh, we had record from that was still when the record companies had promo people that would come and stop at the radio station. I remember this one guy from Capitol Records that was a good friend of mine. He'd come in with a mint full of records and he'd drop about, oh, at least two thirds of them on the table. And if he said, Here's my junk you can listen to. And he, the other ones he would hand in, and he'd say, This is the Big Favor Records. Right. If, you know, if, if you feel so inclined, play them. And, you know, a, a, a music director to try and decide on a new song what was what was going to be popular. You didn't have time to listen to the whole record. You were looking for a a, uh, a hook at the front of the record that, like when it would go on the air, people it would it would stop people's attention and they would listen to it, you know. And there, if the song didn't have a really good hook, it it probably wouldn't last long. I, if I, I the one re- I can remember. Uh, uh, one fine day by the chiffons right. started out with the group singing do lang, do lang, do lang. You remember right. that one?
0: Absolutely.
1: And that was a great hook. And um and so that usually meant that it was gonna be a seller. Maybe not a number one song, but something that was gonna do fairly well, you know, and if so like I say, if it had a good hook Chances are you'd end up playing it, you know. And and I was—I wanted to get it straight. I was never offered Payola. Right. They never made it to Huntington.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they do uh, some uh, places, but
1: it. It. it, We heard a lot about that, and uh, but like I say, I you know I played a record because it was it was a good song, not because somebody asked me to do it for a. Favor, or for some money, or something like that.
0: Right. I tell you, a song that I always dreaded hearing coming on back in the day, and I and I always thought maybe the DJ put this one on when they needed to go to the bathroom or something. That was oh. M- MacArthur Park.
1: <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Oh my gosh! I thought uh, that thing had come on. We had, a, we had a rack in the room called Diarrhea Records. <laughs> And that had all of all the songs. I mean, on the weekends we were in the old Channel Thirteen building. Well, a lot of people might now not know what that was, but they had a, uh, a bathroom that was way down the hall and around a corner. And on the weekends, playing a record, you better be there when the record ended, or or they're going to be hearing ca-thunk, <laughs> kazam thunk you know. And uh, we'd play a a song either as a golden oldie or something like that off the diarrhea rack. (laughs) And um, that enabled us to go down and take care of business and get back before the song was over. We've had people, I remember, we've had people go to sleep on the air at (laughs) night. And, uh, you know, if they were playing that, fortunately for them, if they were playing an album, they, they'd introduce one song and the whole album would play, you know. And it, it, it was, we had a strange, oh, well, not a strange batch of people, but what a cross-section of humanity we had coming through that station in the 60s. Right. It was, it was really something.
0: I bet you in your career, Jack, you met a lot of interesting people, didn't you?
1: Well yeah we did um i i my wife and I had a chance to uh, go to a lot of concerts and um, uh, meet a lot of people and uh it, it was it was a lot of fun because we always got backstage passes and had a chance to hang out with them you know and there were a lot of uh, there a lot of the artists were really into themselves some of them anyway and they would either talk to you, and you know, when somebody talks to you, you can tell uh, that they're they're really not holding much interest in what you're saying or what you're wanting to do. Yet other people, uh, they they were really paying attention to what you said, and really, you really felt like you were having a good conversation with them. And uh, uh, my favorite group was the Beach Boys.
0: Wow, what a group.
1: And um I I've met them a number of times. In fact, uh my wife and I, we were they were coming to Evansville and we went over for where they did the uh sound check in the afternoon. And um we were backstage when they were doing all that and uh talking with Brian Wilson and Al Jardine. Right. And they said uh is there anywhere around here we can get something to eat? We're starving to death. So I said, well, my wife and I were thinking of going out to get something to eat. Would you like to come along? They said, heck, yeah. So we got <laughs> in my car and drove over to a little place in Evansville called uh, the Farmer's Daughter. Right. And the place, it was a weekend, so the place was pretty well uh, filled up. And we walked in with them and I saw people's heads turn, you know, because they recognized who was with us. But they left us alone and we had a nice uh, uh, meal and then went back to the concert, you know. But back in the days when um, when Dick Clark was popular uh, across the country, he had a, a, a traveling show called Dick Clark's Caravan of Stars. Right. And like you'd pay about Six or eight bucks for a show, and you would get about ten or twelve different artists that were big in the in the industry. Of course, Dick Clark, he drew the biggies, you oh, know. Yes. And uh, uh, you really saw a great show. Now you end up paying thirty-five or forty bucks for a lousy seat for one act, you know. And uh, so it I, it just really changed that much. Wow. You know, as some
0: other guests and I have talked, how music has changed through the decades. And boy, you know, it went from neat tunes that had the hook, like you were talking about, that told a story to, you know, there was a period there when, you know, I really don't understand the words to this song, and I don't really understand the message of this song either. I mean, well, things changed a lot, didn't
1: they? A lot day, oh, my God, they sure did. I mean, uh, when I got in uh, uh, to uh, radio, uh, and the records we played were rather simple. You know, like most of the Presley records were pretty simple because... They ended up recording with two mics, the singer and the band, you know, and they'd blend it together. It was really a simple thing. <clears throat> but then it got better when the artists had good background music and, and they could work with it. But I like like shows they have not the American Music Awards. Well, the, some of the stuff is, is decent because it's just somebody singing with a singing a good song with an orchestra. Right, <clears throat> but uh, a lot of it you can't you can't like you said can't understand the words and it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. And, and what I always tell people, you know, when when I was in radio, people would tell me a certain song meant a lot to them and all that stuff, but. Uh, 20 years from now, when they when they come on with uh, something like uh, some of these rap groups, do you think 20 years from now, when that song come on the radio, the man and and the woman are going to take hands and the guy says, honey, they're playing our song.
0: It's not going to happen. no. It, it
1: ain't going to happen. No. And, uh, you know, it, songs go now from from popular to golden oldie in a very short length of time. Yeah, they
0: do. I know when my wife and I were dating uh, back when we were in Marshall, we met at Marshall, and a lot of times we would sit at Dwight's and drink coffee and listen to the radio, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just, you know, it's almost uh, unheard of anymore. Um, and, you know, the radio... Used to, if you wanted to listen to music, you listened on the radio. Uh, today, you've got downloading, streaming, you know, digital on your iPod, iPhone, or whatever. And the thing that, you know, when uh, back in the day, there was a whole lot of different types of tunes that you played and and different, and, you know, it was rock and roll for sure, but they, they were different. Now people a lot of times, pick their genre of music. They've got their custom channel. They only want to listen to Katy Perry or they only want to listen to, you know, Loretta Lynn or whatever. And they, and, and I think that kind of narrows, you know, their vision of what music's all about.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, I, I think Top 40 Radio, back in the day especially, uh, uh, really kind of played a little bit genre a a little mixture of of everything you know i mean about the only thing we didn't ever get into was like polkas or something like that (laughs) (laughs) thank god i hate polkas (laughs) and um uh, but we we played there were country tunes that crossed over into popularity and uh uh, we were playing you know, uh, basically a country song that was meant to be a country song that made it you know in the on the popular field right and so if it I mean the basic thing is if it's if it's sold, we played it right And when you get back to that some people would say, what the heck are you playing that piece of junk for Well, it's sold and uh, that's what we were in the business for if it's sold, We played it. If it went out of popularity, it it was gone. Right. So you know.
0: You know the um, and of course daytime radio. The format has definitely changed. You don't have many well uh, uh, stations that AM stations play music all day. Most of them are talk radio now. It seems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's. uh, uh, when when I came here, the AM, like, like I told you before, to differentiate between the AM and the FM. The AM was the big honker, and the FM was there, but not that many people listened to it, you know. And we played the same thing. You heard the same thing on the AM and the FM band. But then I I saw uh, where it was a slow change where the F M became the big honkers and the AM were the also RANs. Right. There was I remember uh, we we broadcast in Monoral on the FM and um a lot of people had console radios that could pick up AM and F M but and they had a little red light on it that would when you when you found an FM station in stereo Uh, That red light would light up. I remember it very well. You'd sit there and and tweak that until the red
0: light came on.
1: Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were calling us. We we never said a word about when we were going to go stereo. Just all of a sudden, one morning, we were stereo. People were calling us up, showing that they very seldom tuned their radio to something else. They'd say hey, something happened here. And I'd say, what? And they'd say, <laughs> this little red light came on in the first place. What does that mean? Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it, it the, of course, stereo really, you know, took over. And, and now you have all kind of different you know, sounds, you know, like with your TV, you have surround sound and all that business. You know, tech, te- the technical end of it has gone a long way, which in some cases is is really good, and in in some other cases you don't give a darn, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, after you got out of the uh, radio business, so to speak, uh, you DJ'd in the area here a lot, didn't you? Dances and parties and stuff? uh,
1: I've done a lot of... I I had a pretty good collection of music, and um, uh, and not only 45s, but uh, albums as well, and... uh, I, I I would do class reunions, and, uh, like, up until recently, I was uh, doing every other Friday night up here at the uh, Barbersville American Legion, right. and uh, it, it, I, I enjoyed doing that, whereas, it, you know, it gave me my daytimes free, and I was working, you know, four hours at night, Right. and uh, I, I ended up making more money doing that than I did when I was in radio, <laughs> For a while, anyways, you know, well, and uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I one nice thing about playing the live people, they they would come up and they they'd say, "Hey, would you play a song for me?" And I'd say, "Well, if I have it, I will." And uh, they would give me the name of the song, and I said, "Is that your favorite song?" Well, you know, that was my wife and and my song when we first met, and we kind of relate to that, you know. And I'd tell them, "Geez, I don't know. I might have it. I'll have to look." <laughs> Knowing that I had it, right, you know? right. And I, two or three records later, I'd put that on without saying a word, and you could see their heads. Those, those that one couple, their heads would snap around, and uh, that that made you feel real good yeah it really did you know music can do a lot for people yes they associate with it and it really means something and uh uh, when they hear a song when no matter whether it's on the radio or whether it's some dj playing it uh, it still means a lot to them so that's kind of a nice thing
0: well jack i tell you what the clock on the wall says it's about time to go but uh Okay. Wow! What a I, I just can't tell you what a pleasure it's been just sitting here talking with you, and uh, you have touched so many lives over the years. And every boomer that's listening to this that grew up in the tri-state area knows Jack O'Shea. And oh, that's very Jack, nice we, you to we say. Appreciate, I appreciate that. It. And you've got a Facebook page you're pretty active on. Uh, where where can folks find you on Facebook to follow you?
1: Uh, well, uh, Jack Colmer. Right. Uh and uh I you know, I never tried to hide my name. If somebody would they'd come up to me and kind of shake their finger at me and say, I know your real name <laughs> and I'd say, Well, you know something that's really funny? So do I and I don't <laughs> care <laughs> You that's know, I great. didn't I didn't try to hide anything. It's a, a story could tell why I did that, but uh, a lot of jocks change their name because it's it's catchy in one way or it's very easily remembered to those important people filling out the survey book.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, Jack, again, it's been a pleasure uh, when we get out, out from under this uh, quarantine that uh, oh. seems like we're in and can get back to normal. I'd love to take you to lunch to one day. Could we do that?
1: absolutely okay. no problem at all
0: probably won't have the beach boys there it'll be just small time but, but we can go eat lunch anyway <laughs> well Jack thanks again it's been great being with you and, and and we'll do it again sometime
1: okay that sounds great I'm, I'll be right here ready to do it thank,
0: thank you, you much thank you well folks that was our interview with local legend and tremendous DJ Jack O'Shea Jack Comer And, uh, wow, what a great time we had with him. And I hope you enjoyed that walk down memory lane, too. Uh, Jack has a Facebook page under Jack Comer. He posts some different tunes on there from time to time. And you got to look him up and uh, see what he's got on there that you might be interested in. Great guy, Jack O'Shea. Thanks, Jack, for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again. Well, that's all the time we have today, and we really appreciate you joining us for this episode of Bee Boomer Unleashed. We look forward to being with you again, but until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.